Welcome to the Narrator Roundtable. I'm Kurt Graves. In the coming weeks, our audience will learn a lot about the Narrator Roundtable's five rotating permanent hosts. But before we dive into the important, thought-provoking, and potentially contentious hot topics that we thought deserved our attention, let's get to know each of our hosts a little better. Joining me today is my co-host, Andre Santana. Hi, Andre. Hi. Excited to be here. I am excited to chat with you. You'll have to help me remember, because I was trying to think of how I first knew about you. And it it's either because of the DEI committee in PANA, mm-hmm. but I think around the same time and maybe even before, I think I was becoming aware of you because like a lot of the authors I follow and like other narrators that I really enjoy, like they started following you and like promoting your work. Like we were just kind of like in the same genre. Yeah. Um. So I, I, I just, I can't remember, like, did I meet you first or did I know of you first? But either way, I think it was around that same time of just like, there's a new hip, young, queer narrator on the scene and his name is Andre. Uh, I feel like we had, um, I think we had like, we were in the sphere. We hadn't like, like, there was no text message. There was no DM at that point. And then I think when we were in the DEI group, we were like, okay, now we can, now we can talk. Now we can talk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because it's creepy to reach out if there's no real connection. No, but no. there are times there are times with other narrators that I'm like, I just want to text, send them a message, and ask to be their friend. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, okay, so like I have a I have a friend in voiceover Yinka who 100 percent just did that. She just DM'd me one day, and we talk nice. like every day now. Like, yeah, love, yeah, well done. <laughs> I I need to bring that energy into 2024. <laughs> So I would love for our audience just to know a little bit more about your background, where you're from, and how you got into this work. So can you kind of tell us your narrator origin story? Absolutely. Um, So my background goes all the way back to Brazil. I was born in Salvador, and I came to Seattle pretty young. I grew up there, so that's where a lot of of my accent comes from, is the Pacific Northwest. Um, But I ended up doing this whole little weird journey where I dropped out of high school. I went to college in Massachusetts. I got my degree in psychology and biosocial studies and was just doing like higher ed slash education work when the pandemic came around. And at that point I hadn't really been reading a lot. Like when I was in college, I feel Mm -hmm. like reading in the process of reading just exhausted me. And so I wasn't doing a lot of it. Um, But one of my friends recommended The Bone Witch to me by Rin Chapeco and she loved it and she was gushing about it. And I was like, okay, I have to read this book, but I can't read it in print. I'm never going to make it. I'll try the mm-hmm. audiobook. And it was Emily Wu Zeller and Will Dameron. And I've just never looked back um, ever since. I think that must have been October. And then that spring, I got my first like setup and like sent in my first audition on ACX. Um, you know, wow. I did not know it was that fast. It was, it was, it was, well, you know, cause that turnaround was 2019 to 2020. And so yeah. I was on an audiobook listening marathon. And then when the pandemic happened and I was working from home, I'd like close my computer and be like, something's calling to me, something's speaking to me. Um, and I don't remember what the turning point was of like learning you could be a narrator yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just remember like all, all these like amazing performances. Like I went back, I didn't just like read stuff. I didn't really have a TBR. I didn't just read stuff that I was curious about that was out then. I went back to like stuff that I might've read when I was in high school. Like I went back to 
um, I think Gone by Michael Grant, like listened to that whole series and the narrator was amazing. Like, mm-hmm. um, so I, I reversed. I, I had a first, one of my first favorite books was The First Bad Man by Miranda July, which I had read in print like years ago. And then I went and listened to the audiobook. Um, but yeah, and then spring 2019, I kind of started dabbling around. I had one book that I did over like six months and then that came out January 12th, 2021, which I consider my narratorversary. Yeah. Oh, I was going to ask you about that because you recently celebrated your narratorversary and I was like, so what is the day? Like, what was the occasion <laughs> that you counted? And so it was the day your first book came out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Before that, it felt too like ethereal, ephemeral, right. something un- inconsistent, un- ungrounded. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I know that one, I mean, obviously I talked about how I was aware of you before I think I met you because we both love to do like queer fiction, queer YA in particular. Hmm. Um, but like, are there other genres or topics that you're passionate about when you approach storytelling? Yeah. Two things that are surprising me right now. One is, um, lit RPG. I'm in love. Oh my God. Why the confused face? Well, it's not like- It sounds like so much fun. No, it is. And I, beforehand, like if you had asked me, I wouldn't have said it didn't seem fun, but like the prospect of knowing like, oh, that's that genre in audiobooks that has a really specific like writing format and like Mm -hmm. you do it in a certain, you know, like it, it felt like- and and it's always like some, you know, 96 hour series or whatever. It, it felt like laborious and it's usually fantasy. So there's like 30,000 characters and I'm recording a series right now for Podium and we're two books in. They've booked me for five books in this series and they're all 13 hours each. And I'm having the time of my life. Like every time I go into studio to record that book, I'm like, this is the week we get to do Rogue Ascension. And I'm just like adoring it. Love it. And it shocked the hell out of me. Um, so I am that. surprised that you are surprised. But just, only because like when I started, like that was one of the ones that I was most excited about. Haven't mm. done it. Nobody's hired me for it. If you're listening to this and want to, please reach out. Um, but like I... My dating history was literally like one guy in high school and then my husband. So I did not think <laughs> romance was going to be at the top of my list of things that Fair I like, lived in. I was like, oh, I'm not a romantic guy. I won't be doing romance. Um, I'll be doing these like other like sci-fi fantasy fiction books. Yeah. Nope, that's not been true at all. <laughs> but it sounds like so much fun. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's a good time. And I just really appreciate the people who like hold up this genre because it's uh it's it's a blast and it's a marathon but it's yeah it's just so fun it's what surprised me is like i wouldn't have said oh i'm not gonna like that but i think the amount that i liked it Mm -hmm. has shocked me um and then the other one that's sneaking up on me is nonfiction. um but when i started narrating i literally explicitly said to myself like i don't really i'm not really gonna do nonfiction. like if someone invites me to do it like i'll look at it and consider, but I'm probably going to turn it down. Um, And then my first nonfiction was uh, Black Love Matters, which was like a multicast from PRH. And that was like a fun couple of essays. And I was like, okay. And I remember after um, APAC 2022, um, Simon & Schuster gave me, I think what, at the time that was, I think my first 
full-length nonfiction title was Building a Second Brain. Um, and a year later, I got an Audi nomination for it. And I was like, wait, okay, maybe I'll like, maybe I'll think about this in a different way. Like, maybe I'll come back to this. Am um, I good at this? <laughs> and, oh my God. And like, um, you know, I, I, I trained a lot with um, Joel Frumpkin and like one of his things is like, especially when it's written in first person, like nonfiction is character work. It's all character work. Mm-hmm. And I tried to approach it like that. Um, and so I find it really fun in that way. And just since then, like some of my favorite titles have the, the title that I'm gushing over 24 seven right now is a nonfiction title. And so I'm, I'm just like letting the possibilities of nonfiction wash over me for sure. Yeah. I wonder how much of it too, is just like the craving for different genres, like the, for variety, you know, mm. like, uh, and, and the challenge of doing something new. Like, yeah. I think all actors at some point in their career are like, okay, I'm really grateful for the work that I'm getting, but it's all very similar. And like, now I just want to break out and do something different. Um, and it sounds like you are getting opportunities in different areas and finding like, oh, maybe I just like narration. <laughs> <laughs> I just like this job. Yeah. Right. And that's been, that was like, so I, I love spreadsheets that is one of the things i took away from having a corporate job for four years and i do a year in review every year so i like keep track of all my stuff in voice overview and then it gives me a spreadsheet at the end of the year and so i go in and i do a bunch of formulas and i find out like what was my distribution of genres how many hours did i record what were my rate averages all this different stuff Mm -hmm. and so there are a few things that are like important to me. One is I look at how often I'm matched up to the race of the character that I'm playing and the race of the author, um, just to be like, am I being pigeonholed? And for me right now on, on both uh, fronts, it's about like 30 to, to 70, 30% of the time my race matches the author and the, um, or the character. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't looked at that uh, by like sexuality, but I'm curious now to go back and do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other piece too is uh, like genre distribution and audience distribution. So like how many children's middle grade, young adult, uh, new adult and adult titles. Um, all of that, I feel like I had worried for so long, like, oh, I'm being locked into middle grade and children's, which are only 10% of audiobook sales and they don't have as big an audience or as big a budget. Um, and that hasn't necessarily like fully been reflected in the numbers when I go back. Um, but my genres, I feel really grateful that like, there's a really healthy variety of genres that I'm doing. And I think you're right. I think it's just like the excitement of opening a book and being like, I don't have to phone this in. Like, this is actually asking something fresh of me at every page and I'm going to enjoy the process, you know? Yeah. That, that, when you can find that attitude, I feel like you're in a really good place. Cause, and like, we can't do it all the time. So like, I don't want people listening to this to be like, oh, if I'm struggling with a project, that means the problem's with me and I'm not grateful enough. It's like, no, 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 no. We all go through phases of like, eh, this work is just okay. Or this project is just okay. Um, but yeah, when you can, when you can take a moment to be like, oh, I just really like what I'm doing. Yeah. Those are good days. Very good days. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you were at the very beginning of your career. But I have a hypothetical question for you. Okay. The apocalypse is happening tomorrow. We've been given 24 hours notice. And some government agent has showed up at your door and is like, here, 
put three audiobooks that you've done into this time capsule and we're going to bury it and hope that like whatever the, the whatever comes after the human race is going to find it uh so what work are you interested in sharing with the next generation of humanity uh, what are those three books and why and you know it's an election year so it's not really even hard to imagine a situation like this <laughs> um, i i i think there's okay i can think of three I think the first one I'd put in is Stars in Your Eyes by Kaysen Callender. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, an adult romance, and Kaysen Callender is an author where, like, anytime I read something they've written, I know it's going to be about trauma and, like, navigating trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a dual narration with a full cast in the interstitials, like, spread between us. And so oh, it's... Wow me and another narrator having we're doing this like mm romance and then in between it's like it's uh youtube videos it's notes from therapists it's tweet threads it's all these things that like connect the story of these two actors having like a grumpy sunshine fake dating situationship mm-hmm. and what i loved about that book is uh, i i a lot of my books i do actually go back and listen to um particularly ones that i'm like oh like maybe i'll submit this for something but so I went back and listened to this one, and one, my co-narrator, uh, AJ Beckles, is phenomenal in this book. He's uh, also a like anime, um, video games voice actor, and he does, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He does, like... Um, he he breathes intentionally throughout the book. There's there's these things that I think we're taught as audiobook narrators to leave out, mm-hmm. and uh, the, a lot of it stays in. He you know his character is walking down the hallway. He's like, I take a deep breath, and we hear that breath. Like mm-hmm. like there's so much of it that is so lived in the way he performs. I adore his performance in that book. Um, and a lot of that happens with the um, characters and in the interstitials. There's this like Southern YouTuber who's like, you know, in love with one of the actors, but hates the other actor. And so she comes on and she's like sobbing and we hear her sobbing and she's like blowing kisses. And so it's just like fun and lived in. And it's got all these little textures that are like, this isn't a podcast, but it's, it's an audiobook, And this is what an audiobook can do, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's one. The second is one that I just did and is going to come out at the end of the month is The Words That Remain by Stenu Gahdao, translated by Bruna Dantes Lobato. Um, and there's a few reasons I uh, was super, super excited that they sent me this book. This was for Dreamscape. One was this like very casually just won the National Book Award for translated like literature in, like, in December. Um, so we love that. For oh, them. no big deal. No Just big like. deal at all. Very excited for them. Very excited <laughs> for them. Um, but two, and I wish that there was a way for me to like show this to you, but the way that the book is written, there are entire sections of the book where there is no punctuation, no paragraph indentation except for commas. So you're reading, and the only thing as you're reading that tells you, oh, this has moved from first-person narration to now dialogue, is that there's a comma followed by a capital letter. And it's just mm. like that, like a block text. And so I did get a prepper, but I went through and had to like manually highlight entire sections of this book. Mm. And it's so intricate, and it's devastating, for one. And f- it was just a fascinating form to like 
narrate. Um, and so that feels to me like a performance I really loved, a process that I really enjoyed, and then a book that just like, you know, if I had been the reader and not the narrator, it would have just kicked my ass anyways. Well, I was just going to say, it's so interesting to hear you talk about that. I was just having a conversation with my uh, my office mate, my friend who comes and works in my office sometimes, because um, I was doing a book that was not that uh, complex or, or, I guess, vague. And it's, <laughs> you know, like, um, but I was doing a book where the writer really left a lot to the reader to interpret. Hmm. Um, and so there, it was just one of those times when you're doing a book and you realize that, oh, I have to make a decision for the person who's listening to this. Yeah. But there are so many other ways this could be interpreted if you were reading it off the page. And that is at, at once both very cool that you're trusted with that responsibility and have uh, the opportunity to do that. And also sort of frustrating that you're spending the whole book having to make decisions and it's not just kind of spelled out for you. Um, And also like you almost want to like reach through the earbuds and be like, go look at this on the page because you could take something totally different from it. Um, But this is like the, the version of audio that's going to exist. Yeah. God. And I, and I, and part of the reason that I love that too is because I think that we're also illuminating interpretations of the book that readers might not have encountered too. Mm. And, and it's, it's just like, I don't know. That's why I love like the human process of narration is like, we yeah. are, we are a point of interpretation. We are bringing something to this performance that is us and is uniquely mm-hmm. us. Oh, I love this job. I love this job. The last book that I would put in the time capsule is Sito by Lawrence Ralph. And this book I recorded in December, and it just blew me away, all dynamite, no smoke. I feel like I, it, it's a nonfiction. And I thought I knew what I was getting into when I read the description and auditioned for it. It was um, about a teenager who had been murdered. There was uh, like gang involvement in the murder. And it was just a story of his life and the circumstances that led up to it. And it was so, it was everything beyond my expectations. This is a book written by um, someone in this, you know, teenager who died, his extended family, who's a professor Mm -hmm. of uh, urban violence and who talks not just about like incarceration and the systems in, you know, San Francisco and the history of the mission district and the histories of like gangs and Latinos in California and all these different things, but is also like his personal experience. Like he went to, you know, this boy's funeral, even though they didn't really uh, overlap much when, when the Sito was alive. Um, he was asked by the family to come and sit in on the DA's meeting when the, um, the city had found someone to charge with their son's murder and he asks these like really complicated questions about um, vengeance in the context of like gang members and vengeance in the context of social justice. And his wife, who is more connected to um, Sito, is um, a professor of religion, and she studies a lot of uh, Yoruba religions. And so he also like brings in these Yoruba stories and uses them to talk about like where he finds this boy as he's telling his story or where he finds the family. And it's just like, 
I, I, people talk about books as tapestries and this is this book I would put up on my wall. Like it's just gorgeously mm-hmm. woven together. Um, and I feel, I feel like you can't give that. You couldn't give this book to a, to a narrator and walk away with something you don't like. Like the story was just so amazing. Um, so that is the third book that I would put in this time capsule. I love that. Mm. I love that. Um, I also love what you just said. Uh, cause it gets to something that I, I try to bring up as often as I can. The idea, um, that you can give it to a narrator and like, if it's good, it will translate. Mm. Um, because so often, uh, reviewers or fans will talk about things in superlatives. Like this was the best, or like, this is the only narrator who could have done this book. And I always just want to be like, no, 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 no. That's, that's not helpful. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, could we find a way to give a compliment without reducing everyone else? Like yeah. without being reductive to everybody else? Like yeah. say they did an excellent job, say it was a great fit. Um, but we don't have to be like, this is the only person who could have possibly done a good job with this book. It's like, well, <laughs> No, somebody else would have also done a great job and it would have been different. Yeah. And that's the joy of the art that we do is like part of the art is matching the person to the book and then seeing what comes of it, what alchemy is created. Um, so I love that acknowledgement of like, I love this work. I'm sure you did a great job. I hope you think you did a great job, but also having the, the humility and the, just like the, the presence to be able to say like, this was also just very good. <laughs> like. I couldn't have screwed it up because it's so good, you know? Yeah. I, I think like I'm, I'm, there's so much of me that is, I, I feel it gen genuinely kind of holding on to these ideas of like meritocracy in the arts or these ideas of like, um, you know, when people are celebrated, it's because it's only because they've earned it. There's no other kind of, you know, I, I think emotionally in the way I see myself reacting to the world, I know that I like see those things. Um, but I feel like it's moments like these where I, it feels so easy to step back and be like, actually, I love so much about this. Like I, I, in the wake of AI, there are certain kind of narration styles that I'm like not a huge fan of. Like maybe if I listen to the sample, I won't necessarily pick it up that I'm more inclined to pick up now because I'm like, I appreciate what it took for you as a human being to like get in the booth and do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I, I'm just like very interested, I think in us being people telling each other stories, both with real human writing, real human narration, just like all of it. I'm I'm just like, I think falling in love with all the little choices that we make. Yeah. Yeah. There's no such thing as good and bad. There's things I like and things I don't like, but that doesn't mean they don't have value or they wouldn't be considered wonderful to somebody else. Exactly. There's no such thing as good and bad. Exactly. And as audible reviews will always remind us, you can, to somebody, you can make a pitch perfect performance and somebody else will believe that you uh, told them how to feel. You, (laughs) (laughs) you did too much on this. Oh, that's gentle. (laughs) that's gentle criticism (laughs) other people will be like i don't know how this person gets work he's terrible (laughs) i I did just i I mispronounced jane Eyre as jane Eyre in a book and it oh no did not get caught in post-production which is okay it happens i also didn't grow up reading jane Eyre, so i didn't know um but the reviewer was to the gallows with you no (laughs) enough who why would you ever was anyone listening to this um Mm -hmm. and it was great 
Audible again. It was great to open up their previous reviews and see that actually they've never enjoyed an audiobook before. <laughs> <laughs> or when they do, they don't bother writing a review about it because that's less fun. Yeah. yeah. Human nature is a grand thing. And we mm. will get into a lot of that uh, as we continue to have conversations about uh, audiobooks, about narrating, about uh, the publishing industry in general. Uh, we are just getting started. Uh, thank you for joining us for this introductory episode of the Narrator Roundtable. Um, I enjoy any chance I have to chat with you, so I'm glad we got a chance to do this. Uh, if you are listening at home and you haven't already, you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere podcasts are available, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Audible. We have some incredible conversations about our industry and our craft that will be coming to you starting in 2024. In the meantime... You can learn more about the podcast and find links to our social media at narratorroundtable.com. You can also submit your questions for our panel of hosts and guests. What's on your mind? We want to talk about it. The Narrator Roundtable is produced and hosted by Andre Santana, Deanna Anthony, Gail Shallon, Kurt Graves, and Lindsay Dorcas. All copywritten material is shared with permission. Music and sound effects are licensed through Storyblocks Audio. All opinions shared are those of the individuals and do not reflect the positions or policies of any company or organization with which they happen to be associated. <laughs>